0: May that be our opening prayer, that all life is sacred, because all of us are those who were formed by the very hand of God himself, that he made you, he made me, and he made all people who have lived in this world and all people who live now in order that he might love us, and that we in response might love him back. And yet isn't it wonderful, again, uh, through confession and absolution to remember that even when we fail to love him, in our words, in our deeds, in our very lives, he remains faithful. He continues to love us unconditionally as his favored children. What an awesome God we have. So, looking at uh, the age of those who uh, make up uh, this service this morning, I have a feeling most of you remember the Smothers Brothers. Yeah, and that's kind of normally the reaction you would get uh, when you uh, remember their um, their uh, TV show, their variety show. You know, and, you know, the two brothers, uh, you know, uh, Tommy and Dick, uh, Tommy on guitar, Dick on the bass up there and you know, they would have these folksy songs and I can kind of remember as a, a young kid in the, I guess it would be late 60's and you know, watching that as a family and they would never seemingly finish a song because what would happen is, is that well you know, uh, Tommy would you know, get exasperated with some conversation that would happen with his brother and he'd end up saying You always were mom's favorite. (laughs) My dear friends in Christ, (laughs) I'd like to uh, ask you this question this morning Are you God's favorite? As I point even fingers at you and you receive that question directed towards you, whatever your name is and whoever you are, the question is Are you God's favorite? And I will answer it for you. The answer is a definitive yes. We are indeed God's children, whom He loves, His favored. The Word of God today reminds us that God's favor has been revealed to each and every one of us through His Son, Jesus Christ, through the one who is that anointed one, the one who came and took our place, suffered and died, and was raised again that we might experience his favor, his love for all of life. You always were God's favorite. Is that really true? Because we do need to wrestle with that question. And the truth is, is, the answer is yes and no. Because all of us gathering here this morning know that Indeed, we have not lived up to his standard. We have not followed his Ten Commandments. We have not you know, loved him back in our, our lives in every way that we should. Even Paul says in Ephesians 2, you were by nature children of wrath, not deserving his favor but deserving punishment, deserving judgment. Paul says, However, that in another sense, we are uh, his favorite. We don't need to despair because before the foundation of the world, he says in Ephesians chapter 1, before the foundation of the world, God chose you in Christ. You know, on the days when you somehow are wrestling with something that you have done, whether it is on that very day or it's something you have done many years before, but isn't that a powerful, wonderful gift of his word to know that he chose you, he chose me. And we know this also from you know, the scriptures with Jeremiah, that before I formed you in the womb, before I knew you, Or Psalm 139 we used as part of our opening, you know, that indeed, you know, he knit us together in our mother's womb and that he even saw our unformed being or substance. God chose you and me before the world began. God knew you and me before we were us. God was present and active in our development in the womb. And there's no doubt about it, we have always been his favorite. Just what does it mean to be God's favorite? Well, that leads us into this gospel reading from chapter 4. Jesus' visit to his own hometown of Nazareth. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. And there he was handed the scroll of the prophet. And there he read those words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, we as New Testament Christians, those who, you know, are able to look back and see, we understand that, you know, he meant this literally because when he finishes, he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was and he is the anointed one, the one who proclaims good news to the poor, the one who brought liberty to captives, sight to the blind. In short, Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And there's that word again, favor, favorite. The word favor, as used in the scriptures, has to do uh, with being accepted by God based upon his love, based upon his character, based upon who he is, not based upon what I've done, what I've failed to do. It's purely based upon him that we are made acceptable. That's what's so great about being God's favor. It doesn't depend upon us or what sins may be lurking in our past. Being God's favor Favorite means that our past is forgotten. In the Old Testament, they celebrated the year of the Lord's favor when everything that was past was forgotten. It was a year of jubilee every 50 years. Debts forgiven. Land returned back to its original owners. Everything, again, was made equal. And I wonder how many of us wish we could experience that kind of a new beginning, a fresh start, every day? Well, actually, he offers it. But that's what he offered to the people then. Jesus, my friends, he came to give every one of us a new start. What Jesus gives, though, is much better than, you know, a forgiven financial debt or, you know, just, uh, physical sight to the blind, or freeing those who are oppressed or captive by some government or some evil power. He gives us favor and love and freedom through forgiveness and the resurrection. Indeed, what does it mean to be God's favorite? It means he accepts you. Not again based upon what you've done, but based upon what Jesus has done in his cross and resurrection, in spite of what you have done. In spite of. It means he accepts you and sees you and me as brand new with a new beginning. Every day we are forgiven. You always were. God's favorite. But just who's included in this? That's kind of where we begin to wrestle with this, isn't it? Is it really fair uh, that this includes everyone? I mean, can you imagine the people when the year of Jubilee was celebrated in the Old Testament days, and they're like, "Wait a minute, you owe thousands. I only owe a few dollars. This isn't fair. Or, wait a minute, you know, do you know what he's done or she's done? It's not fair. I didn't do anything that bad. We begin to categorize and separate, and somehow we begin to judge who's deserving and who's not. And by the way, this is part of what Jesus was dealing with, with his own hometown people in Nazareth. They didn't think it was fair. Yeah, they spoke well of Jesus, and it said they marveled at his gracious words that were coming out of his mouth, but it only lasted so long. Jesus knew his fellow Nazareans. They wanted him to do miracles of healing that he had been doing elsewhere, but he also perceived their lack of faith in who he really was. So Jesus doesn't, as you notice, do any miracles there. He goes on and he does them elsewhere. And he ends up giving them these examples of Old Testament prophets to show God's favor to non-Jews. The hometown crowd, did you see their response? Verse 29, they were filled with wrath. They're angry. They chase him out of town and not just to chase him out, but their intent is to kill him. Well, the wonderful thing for us is to know that this is not the manner Jesus would die, and it's not the time he would die, because it's not yet God's time. The people of Nazareth, they illustrate for us why some reject God's favor, because they think they deserve it. See how it comes back so often to Us, our works, our efforts. What we look like, what we have done, what we are trying to do. Indeed. After all, they were God's people, though. they Didn't they have a right to say, but wait a minute, we're the chosen people? We're the people of Israel? Lord, it's about us, isn't it? Those, my friends, who think they're accepted by God on their own end up rejecting his favor. We know better than to think we are good enough to deserve God's favor, but many of us struggle with the fairness of God's favor sometimes, don't we? Isn't that a a little bit about what's uh, uh, being gotten at in our reading from Genesis today, that idea of deception? You know, I've spent a a fair amount of time in the prisons here, at the federal prison and at uh, Coleman, the state prison there. And, you know, you sit in front of someone who has been a rapist, uh, ministered to someone who had abused children uh, in Nashville. And my human mind says, Lord, Right? How could you? You know, um, you think of uh, people like uh, Ted Bundy and uh, Rawlings and Gainesville with the co-ed murders in 1992. My brother was involved in identifying him and arresting him then. And you're like, really, Lord? Your favor rests on them? So easy it is to uh, dissolve in a sense into a way or devolve in such a way that we begin to question other people's value and character before the Lord. And what we are doing is judging them based upon what they have done or not done. And we end up rejecting God's favor because we're relying on ourselves. And friends, it doesn't just end there. It can also be those who take life. It can be those who take life even when it's allowed by the law and abortion. It can be those who take life in euthanasia, mercy killing. You call it whatever pretty name you want it, but It is what it is. How do we see God's favor for such people? Or how about for ourselves if we have been involved in some way in any of these? The truth is, let's focus on ourselves. Some sins burden us even though we have heard and know they're forgiven. One of those kinds of sins we, you know, can... You know, addressed today, maybe it doesn't apply to certainly most of us, but the sin of abortion. You know, over the years here, I can think of about three times that I've addressed this, I'll say, straight up. Um, I truly trust the Holy Spirit to take God's Word and apply it to the lives of God's people. Um, I remember one year, about seven years ago, uh, a sermon that I included is I apologized. I Apologize saying that if you have never heard me or the church say that if you were part of, in any way, an abortion, I want you to know that you are loved and forgiven. And I said that because far too often the church stands in judgment in the law, and fails to offer the comforting words of the gospel in God's grace. Every day in America today, 3,000 children die in abortion. 3,000. I can't help but read those words of Jeremiah. I, I, I can't help but you know read other words that talk about how you know God knew the hairs on our head. I can't help but think of um, our our text at Christmas time when you know you have um, Mary show up to see you know Elizabeth and John the Baptist in her womb leaps. Can't help but think of my niece and my nephew who were born at one pound, 12 ounces, and two pounds, two ounces. At five months, and they could have legally been aborted, and yet today they are 16. A child, a human being, formed in the hands of a loving You know that uh, old Lutheran question about what does this mean? So First, for you, please hear and cling to these words of know that you always were God's favorite, favored, loved. Regardless of where you have been, regardless of what you have done, you are his child, he loves you, he died for you, he was raised again for you. Always were his favorite. Loves you unconditionally. But we, as the people of God, what does this mean? Yes, that means take that word, apply it to your life. What am I supposed to do with this? But it isn't, as you've heard me say before, just about you. And it's not just about me. But we have to understand we have been put in community together, body of Christ together, family together as the people of God. And we do have responsibility whether our society today somehow has minimized it and tried to destroy that reality. But I have a responsibility to my neighbor across the street and to my neighbor in my city and to each and every one of you. And so do you to one another. And so we as the body of Christ need to stand up, speak up, and defend the life of those who cannot speak for themselves. to the last breath because they too are God's favored. maybe you said it uh, in jealousy you know to your sibling you always were God's favorite like the Smothers Brothers But God says it to you, my friends, in love, regardless of your sin, regardless of the size of your sin, God says it to you because in Jesus he made you acceptable and he gives you a brand new beginning in Jesus. So take it to heart. Take it personally. When God says to you, you always were my favorite, favored, loved, forgiven may we live in it and may we share it in jesus name amen